0: You're listening to New Wave, Materials, Methods and Media, Glasgow School of Art, 1970-1986. A series of podcasts produced as part of a research project for Glasgow School of Art's archives and collections. I'm Debbie Banerjee. Episode 3, Evolutionary Not Revolutionary. This is the first of a two-part podcast which looks at the mixed media department at Glasgow School of Art, which ran from 1977 to 1981. The first part focuses on the formation of the department, which was set up and run by Roger Hall. It was created as an area students could go to experiment with different media and to help create fluidity between fine art disciplines. The voices here provide some context to the school's environment in the 1970s. It is a combination of people who'd studied and taught on the course and impressions from students and staff in other departments. The podcast features, in order of appearance, Alistair MacDonald, who studied at GSA from 1973 and specialised in product design. He started to teach in first-year studies in 1983 and later in the design school. He is currently senior researcher in the School of Design. Jane Taylor, who studied at GSA from 1978 and specialised in printmaking. Brian Kelly, who studied at GSA from 1976 and specialised first in printmaking and then moved to mixed media. He started to teach at the school from 1985 and currently teaches fourth-year sculpture and environmental art. Carol Campbell, who was married to Stephen Campbell, who was in the mixed media department from 1979-80 to 1981. And Jimmy Cosgrove, who studied at GSA from 1968 and specialised in printed textiles. He was a member of staff from 1973 to 1999 and held a number of positions during this time, including Head of Printed Textiles, Head of First-Year Studies and Deputy Director of the School. Bill Macquarie studied at GSA from 1973 and specialised first in graphic design and then moved to drawing and painting, then spent his final year in mixed media. And finally, Roger Hall, who worked at GSA for eight years from 1973. He started as an assistant in the painting department and set up mixed media in 1977.
1: I'm Alistair MacDonald. I can remember the two camps. During that time there was the kind of traditional Scottish colourist school which was headed up by the head of department, David Donaldson at that time, who went on to become the Queen's Limner in Scotland. So that was very much in that kind of tradition. And I mean, that endures. You can go around to the Royal Glasgow Institute and and see people still painting in that style. But at the same time, there was a counterculture through the mixed media department, exploring all sorts of radical, innovative forms of sculpture, painting, mixed media, filmmaking, and and so on, which is very, very experimental, so quite at odds. So I think there was an interesting tension between the, I wouldn't say a dogma, but a, a prevailing school of painting, traditional, and uh, representational and maybe slightly uh, abstracted colourist and mixed-media.
0: Jane Taylor.
2: Mixed-media, yeah, I kind of got more aware of it when we came up to be in second year. It suddenly popped up like a mushroom. It was a space full of all these people making shape things coming out of the wall and cutting things up and, you know, things that you wouldn't find in the painting department. that was quite exciting you know it's good to go up and have a wee look and see what they're all up to. I wasn't very involved I was kind of on the edge and my partner Chris he was just in the painting department and then you know that's all he wanted to do paint and draw so he wasn't that really interested in the mixed media he kind of thought it was a little bit not pure enough not pure painting
1: Kelly. You weren't allowed to go into mixed media until third year. It wasn't really a course, you know, it didn't identify itself specifically in terms of a medium or a process or a particular practice. I suppose mixed media says it all. I suppose one of the reasons for the course was a negative, that what mixed media offered students was what wasn't offered in fine art. And it wasn't offered because I think that painting and sculpture had such strong identity in relation to that practice in a traditional practice that didn't allow a more developing fine art practice what we would call the expanded fields of practice now and so in a way when i think about roger's foresight i think he he understood that what well, kind of existed in the 70s of course you know existed in the art world performance and video etc etc Fluxus movement had happened But it wasn't really embraced at Glasgow in the traditional identity of subjects. So Roger, I think, offered that.
2: My name's Carol Campbell. I definitely think that mixed media department back then was the kind of in-scene place to be. That was where the people who, at least they all believed they were the movers and shakers, whether everybody else perceived them as such, I don't know, but they definitely felt that was the place where I think you had the most creative freedom, that you were allowed just to run with ideas. In fact, you were actively encouraged to run with ideas and just to experiment with things. And I think that was partly where Stephen left his whole sort of philosophy and attitude to art, that quite often it's the mistakes that you make that turn out to be the best bits of it all. And that's, you know, where things grow from is from the mistakes. And that and a, a great part of that was due to Roger Horn, how he led that department. I know Stephen personally thought the world of Roger, and I've never heard anybody ever say anything other than that he was the most amazing teacher and I mean that's a real gift, I mean Roger is don't get me wrong, Roger is a fine artist in his own right, but I do still always think that his greatest gift was to be able to read his students, see where they were attempting to go with their work, never saying, do this or do that, or have you tried this or tried that, but leaving things like, leave them a record to listen to, leave them a book to read. Oh, I think this, you know, I see what you're doing. You might really enjoy looking at X, Y or Z. That kind of teaching is very rare, and he was very, very gifted at that.
3: I find very often my perceptions are coloured by the belief in the person and any course that would have Roger Hoare connected to it must be of a high caliber. Roger was and probably still is one of the most well-read, most sensitive people and great understanding of materials and processes and I, I only know that through conversations with him or with other people about him or the needs that he would have to get students to do things and what Roger was doing, it seems to me, was responding to a need that was effervescing in drawing and painting principally. People, I don't think, were wanting to be confined to necessarily easel painting. I think they wanted to find other ways to do things. And Roger was superbly positioned I think, to be someone who could take that forward. He was appointed, I believe, as a a tutor of drawing and painting. And eventually, I think, he got what was possibly considered to be misfits. So there would be people who were possibly found to be troublesome or asking questions that couldn't be answered within their terms. Roger, I think, always brought this cerebral way of looking at things. He could respond intuitively and with great feeling about things. But he was very thoughtful and always, I think, responding to student needs, which probably was what interested him more than anything was the ideas that people were throwing up and how he could respond to it. I think he was left on his own, just you get on with it. I think that even with the success again in retrospect of a lot of these people it took the staff in drawing and painting probably primarily a long time to recognise why that was and Roger certainly never got the the round of applause that he deserved in that—that that, for me was the beginning of fine art as a subject, as opposed to a bunch of subjects.
4: Roger, I came to Classic School of Art in nineteen seventy-three. I applied for a job publicly. It was probably advertised in the Guardian. There were jobs advertised in those days. I applied and had an interview, which was very strange and peculiar, in the director's office, very formal. I brought my portfolio of work, which I was to bring, and they looked at it as if I was a student. I got two different messages from the director and from Dr. Donson, head of painting. Clearly, Sir Harry Barnes was looking to bring outside influences to the school. He wanted new ideas, but I got a very strong sense that it had to be evolutionary, not revolutionary. The message from David Donson was that they knew what they were doing, they had it how they'd always done it. I had been teaching at Cheltenham, at Gloucestershire College of Art and Design, two days a week, where the previous year I had been a fellow in painting there. I had studied art history and fine art, and I think that appealed to Sir Harry. So that gave me an air of gentility in learning, which was a strange marriage with the kind of more avant-garde conceptual practice, if I may use a modern word, um, that I was interested in from my days as a student in Nottingham, which became avant-garde in its approach. Conceptualist, minimalist, no course structure, no life drawing, no figure painting hardly at all. You had to be actively four-figure painting to defy the kind of raison d'etre so it was quite a long shot that I would get a job in Glasgow School of Art drawing and painting which was very traditional Glasgow when I eventually walked around the studios and got some idea of what the way the drawing and painting course was structured was obviously very much a local school west of Scotland painting I didn't know a great deal about the Scottish colourists, even from my art history, but I began to find out very quickly and find out about the Royal Scottish Academy and the links between that and Scottish painters and how all the tutors were members of the Royal Scottish Academy. I found out something quite a lot about the awe, the kind of kudos of being in the painting school. It was very much the sort of pinnacle of the art school, revered by everybody, and I, I found that very odd. The whole idea of the professorial system, of the specialist studios and so forth, it reminded me many, many years later when I went to Prague, where they had that same sort of system where the professors didn't really teach any students. They came in like lords and drifted about. I found it all very, very odd. I remember in the first term when I was there, there was a big staff meeting called by the director of all staff from all departments. And it was really about the state of the school and whether or not the students were going to revolt because there were troubles elsewhere in 1968 in Paris and all that and various things in England with various schools. I was astonished because the student population in the art school were so docile compared with what I was used to. I thought the students were very well educated compared with the English students but I thought they were very well behaved, very, very polite to authority. I began to meet all sorts of past students as well and I got some idea of the working class background but also the middle classes Uh, I began to get some idea of who the students were um, the kind of socialist background of many of them uh, um, and how the school related to the city that was very different it was very much a school relating to a city not as I had been used to in Nottingham where students came from afar coming to Glasgow it was just local I also knew that students from Glasgow did not apply elsewhere. There were no students applying to the Royal College. My wife was a student there, and I saw students from Dundee and Edinburgh and Aberdeen, but no-one ever from Glasgow. So I got the impression that it was very much a local school, rather fenced in, certainly not in the painting school. Nobody was going out, and nobody was coming in. By the time I left that was beginning to change, certainly in sculpture. They had students coming from England, and some students were applying to MA. In fact, one of my students in mixed media applied to Chelsea and got in there. I got to also meet the staff and some students from other departments, from sculpture, I very quickly became friendly with them, especially the head of sculpture, David Dobson, and also the printmakers, Philip Reeves and Michael Rochlau. And also in textiles, Jimmy Cosgrove and Chuck Mitchell, I saw very quickly that they were a group of activists who wanted things to change. The design school impressed me generally from the beginning. They were very, very lively people in amongst it. Um, so I could look out from the drawing and painting department towards them for fellow kindred spirits, in a sense. So, yes, I thought school was. A good place where you could kick against authority. At first, I was not given anybody to teach. Uh, After a short while, I was called into the director's office and he said to me that perhaps Dr. Donson had changed his mind about me being a new member of staff in the drawing and painting department. He made an offer for perhaps I would like to go to Foundation and work there. I didn't know anything about Foundation... And I said, well, I don't think so, because I'm contracted to come to drawing and painting. That's my interest. I'm going to just say, no, I'm going to carry on in drawing and painting. And he appeared relieved, and so that's how it was. So that was a bit of a (laughs) strange welcome. I had three years in the drawing and painting department, and I taught in the first year in drawing and painting, second year of of their four-year course. And I taught half the group. It was about 18 students. I was in room 25 on the ground floor. All the other painting students and staff were in the upper floor, starting on the left-hand side of the Macintosh building with the other part of the second year, and then you went on and on and on and on towards the final students next to the library. And those were taught by Dr. Donaldson. They were the creme of the uh, fourth year. That's how it was organised. I think it was a bit of a slight being on the lower floor, but it gave me freedom. Uh, After all, they didn't come down to see what I was doing very often. What we were supposed to do... The tutor who taught the other half of the second year was called John Miller. He was about to retire. The programme consisted of drawing, life drawing regularly, every two or three weeks, and then still life drawing, and compositional drawing. In painting, it was life painting, and then still life painting and composition painting and by composition they meant giving the students a subject like at the football match and something similar. I thought right I've got to do my version of this so I decided to shake it all up so I then began to do still life arrangements which were big and reached across the room or hung across the the windows and I Built sets for, on a life model based on pop art, just totally different from what they were doing upstairs.
3: Bill Macquarie is a famous one where it's part of dealing with life drawn. Roger had built a, an installation round the model, and the model was sitting in this environment, which was totally different from the traditional way of what was happening. in life drawn elsewhere within the school. And it was different cloths and there was a backing to the model and he had done painterly marks on the backing. My memory is there was wire or metal coils. It was just stimulating. But the the funny thing was that the model wasn't <laughs> too happy when he was having his break and he walked around and he saw that everybody was tackling the still life and <laughs> he was drawing him.
4: Word got round very, very quickly, and so the younger teachers from the foundation used to come in to see what I was doing. Also, there were evening classes taught by ex-students, and so word spread through them that something else was happening in this room. My reception at first from Glasgow students were quite interesting. There were some tough lads. They thought at first that I was some kind of rather fey, remote Englishman. Though uh, if I spoke out of line, they were, I was told later they were ready to give me a doing Part of the programme at the time, which I should mention because it was important for my position in the school, there was a secondary subject that all students of the second year had to do. So my students, I think, had to spend one week a month in another department doing a different sort of subject, textiles or whatever. And... David Donaldson gave me the job of teaching drawing and painting to students who wanted to come from other departments. So I thought instead of treating that as a sort of just something you know you had to do, I didn't have to follow any course, I could do what I liked. So I got people doing big abstract painting and big drawings in a, a much more conceptual kind of work. And I got a lot of students applying from other departments. Um, and in fact there was so many, I had to use the, ne- the room next door as well. So I had about 40 students on it and that was really interesting. A number of students came to drawing and painting because of that. So I left their main courses for that. So I was able therefore to be very proactive in the studios. I tried to keep to the remit of drawing, still life drawing, life painting and so forth. I did tempera classes. The things which were said they did but never did, I did got students making pastels, Um, I did drawing classes where I got from my 18 students large boards, I mean really large boards, six feet by four, and so we did big big drawings on what was then called embroidery paper which got from the shop, big pastels. I encouraged individuality amongst the students as long as they did the project or the exercises i did exercises which were had a predictable outcome i did projects where the students they, they had a, a format but which was more open ended um, i did sometimes i would do an exercise from the foundation of the Bauhaus uh, on uh, using certain kinds of geometry it was clear that uh, something had to be done I had many conversations with the director about that. He had a programme of wishing to go into the degree system. He was looking at what would happen to Glasgow students in the future when they applied for jobs outside of Scotland, outside of Glasgow, that they needed degrees. So he had a long-term plan to go into the degree system, which was CNAA. Eventually that was discussed openly. And the sculptors and pickers and me, our our group of activists, we campaigned for that. Eventually it was decided we would go into the CNA system and there was a review and people came up from the South and formally looked at the school and analysed it. And criticisms were made of drawing painting. Basically that it was too stuck in the past and it had to change. I came out of that quite well because... Some polite things were said about the second year course. Barbara Ray was teaching the other half of it by then. So we both got a good write-up. After that, so Harry Barnes called me into his office and said, uh, more or less, well, looks like you've got a vote of confidence from the South. He tried to sound stern, and, but he more or less said, I think we better do something where we give you an opportunity to do something more across different departments. In sculpture, external examiners, you could not do conceptual art there. You had to make sculpture, sculpture. If not standing on a plinth, at least it had to be heavy, hefty, three-dimensional. I think the ideal of a mixed media department, which would allow some of their students to go and do something else, perhaps to get out of their system, and the same in printmaking. Printmaking was quite traditional as well. Very skillful, but quite a limited range of the kind of thing they did. So it served a function, this idea of uh, another area where students could go for part of the time, particularly in their middle year, say the third year of a four-year course, and could m- maybe spend a term, or the whole year, if they wished, as long as they came back to their main departments. Sculpture didn't have many students, they didn't want four or five of their students going off to mixed media, leaving only four or five or six Same with printmaking. Drawing and painting, he had about 35, 36 a year. It was okay for them to lose half a dozen. It was part of, I think, Sir Harry needed to establish a fine art identity. There was no such thing as fine art in the art school when I first got there. CNA recommended it be thought of in that way. Bill Buchanan was later appointed. But the ideas of setting up a fine art department were being talked about and mixed media was one actually real practical outcome of that. The writing up of an official programme was done by the sculptors, really David Dobson, the head of sculpture, and me and Cliff Bowen, and it was shown to the printmakers as well. One day, so Harry Barnes called me into his office and said, right, we're going to give you a series of rooms down in the annex, along Renfrew Street, which was empty at the time. We're going to give you £300, and any students who want to come to you, and work with you if you get no students you won't have a job i said fine that suits me other staff said oh take your time get it set up nicely i didn't choose to do it like that i immediately cleared the rooms myself down there I, I took the whole ground floor more or less and got students in straight away and then proceeded to take over another room and made a woodwork area a constructing area where we could make stretches and so forth and kit it out with hand tools I found the administrative staff really, really good. They gave me money, no questions asked. I never lacked for students from that day on. An annex is where all avant-garde art gets done. If you think of Goldsmith, it didn't happen in the big building with the beautiful plush. It happened in annexes where students could go 24 hours a day. I was down in that annex, I think, at least two, maybe three years. Then Mixed Media Department had to move from the annex up above the Victoria Cafe. At first we were going to move to room 24 and 25, my old rooms, but which I thought was a bad idea because my students were making three-dimensional things, so there would been a lot of noise. So then we moved all the furniture by hand as a group up in the painting school and then I had to tell the students, got another plan, we're going to be above the Victoria Cafe. The students oh, moaning, moaning, moaning. I said, look, it'd be much better. We will have our own space there. It would be great. One big open space.
0: You've been listening to a podcast written and produced by Debbie Banerjee for Glasgow School of Arts Archives and Collections. For more information about the project, please visit gsaarchiveprojects.wordpress.com. The next episode will continue with Mixed Media, looking at how the course developed.